Wasn't that awesome? <laughs> if you enjoyed that, would you type amen in the chat? Uh, this uh, That was an awesome work that the team put together. And uh, today, because I am sharing a message, an Easter message live, uh, if, if, you, if I say something you agree with, you can, you can say amen to me. Uh, if I say something that literally makes no sense to you, you can just type a bunch of question marks in the chat. Um, or if you have big Easter plans after this and you feel like the service is going along, you can just say, Jonathan, wrap it up in the chat. Um, and I will try to notice it down here. Uh, because, you know, this is not a normal Easter, right? Things are different. And this morning I went on a walk in the neighborhood uh, with my dog and saw the beautiful sunrise and I was thinking about how normally right now on Easter Sunday, we would have had a beautiful sunrise service together as a church. You know, I've been thinking this week about how one of our traditions at Harvest Point is to make a beautiful flower cross and to transform the cross, the symbol of death and darkness into a symbol of hope and resurrection and life. And we're not able to do that today. And and maybe you're like me, usually this time of the year, I usually uh, get Emily and we go down to Tanger Outlets and uh, I usually pop in J. Crew and get a new Easter shirt for my wardrobe. We didn't do that this Easter either. And so maybe you're at home and your celebrations and your traditions and all of that is different. Um, but what I want to let you know is that Easter isn't dependent on any of those things. Easter isn't dependent upon our celebrations and the pomp and the circumstance and the flowers or, or how it goes today. If all of this comes crashing down, it's okay. Because Easter, what we celebrate today, is a fact, a reality of Jesus' resurrection that happened 2,000 years ago. And nothing can stop that. And nothing can hold back that truth that we've gathered to celebrate and worship together today. And so this week, I mean, I've been preparing for this Easter message and I've been rereading the Gospels and that final week of Jesus's life, which was a very dark week, a very difficult week. And I've been reading all of the different resurrection accounts of, of Jesus coming back to life. And one interesting thing I noted this week is that that first Easter, there were kind of two different groups of people. And one of them was a, a group of disciples. And what we find in John's gospel is that the disciples that very first Easter, they weren't gathered together publicly worshiping Jesus and celebrating the resurrection. They weren't, they weren't doing anything like that. Actually, that very first Easter, the disciples were huddled together and we read they were behind closed doors and the doors were locked and they were afraid. I don't know if that sounds familiar to anybody this morning. But that's where they found themselves that very first Easter. And they were afraid. They were afraid of suffering. They were afraid of death. They were afraid that what happened to Jesus, his, his punishment, his execution, they were afraid that it was going to happen to them as well because they were his followers. And so they hid. And while they were hiding on that very first Easter, there was another group of people, and interestingly enough, it was a group of women. And we read in the Gospels that these women, they weren't huddled together behind closed doors or locked in any rooms. Instead, we read that on Friday when Jesus was crucified, they were there. They watched Jesus be flogged. 
They watched Jesus suffer. They watched him cry out in agony. They watched him breathe his last. And then they watched as his body was taken down from the cross, taken by a man named Joseph of Arimathea and placed in a tomb. And they watched as this man that they had served, that they had loved, that they had followed, this man they had put their hope and their trust into, they watched as a huge stone was rolled in front of the tomb and he was laid to rest. And we find that that after that Friday on the Sabbath, they went home and they rested. But the story doesn't end there. On the first day of the week on Sunday, while the disciples were huddled behind closed doors, Mark in Mark chapter 16 of his gospel, he continues the story and he tells us what the women were doing that very first Easter. And so our scripture this morning is from Mark chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. And here's what Mark tells us. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. And trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And that's how Mark wraps up the gospel that we've been studying the last 10 weeks. The women going to the tomb, encountering an empty tomb and an angel who's given them this message of good news, but then he kind of leaves us hanging here, letting us know that the women were bewildered, they were afraid, they were uncertain about the future, and they didn't know what was next. That was their story. And maybe that's your story this morning as we're living in the midst of this pandemic like none of us have ever seen before. Maybe you're feeling bewildered, afraid, uncertain. You're not sure what to do or what's going on or where hope is in the midst of everything. But what I want you to know this morning is that, is that the women, although they were there experiencing those things and those feelings, their story didn't end there. Actually, their story continues. We know their story didn't end there because we're here talking about Jesus today. 2,000 years later, we're celebrating his resurrection. And so we know that the women didn't just stay there not telling anybody. We know that eventually, as they began to, to experience the truth of the resurrection in their heads and they began to understand it, as it began to take hold of them in their hearts, as it began to rest deep in their souls, we know that the good news they heard that day transformed them. It transformed them from people who are experiencing fear to people of faith. It transformed them from people who just probably wanted to hide like the disciples into people of hope. It transformed them from people who were trembling 
into people who went and told others the good news of Jesus Christ. And that good news, it transformed them. It transformed the disciples as they eventually went and told the disciples the good news that the angel had told them. And the good news of Jesus Christ has changed our world throughout history, and it continues to have the power to change worlds today. And my hope is that if you've never experienced this news of Jesus, that it would transform your life as well. And so you might be wondering, I mean, what is the good news of Jesus? What is this this good news that, that transformed the women and that transformed the world? Well, I think we find it in verses six and seven, where the angel says this, you are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen and he is going ahead of you, just as he told you he would. And this week I've been, I've been focused on, on that, that last thing the angels tell the women to go and tell the disciples, which we, we know eventually they did. I've been focused on this phrase, he is going ahead of you, just as he told you he would. Earlier in Mark, Jesus says, hey, look, after I rise from the dead, I'm going to meet you in Galilee. And Jesus kept his promises to them. Jesus went ahead of them, and Jesus has gone ahead of us. And when I think about someone going ahead of me or going ahead of us or, or, or someone going ahead and guiding I think back to a time when when I was in high school, actually. I was that kid in youth group who was at every youth group activity. I was on every trip, every retreat. And one time we were on a mission trip in Costa Rica with my high school youth group. And we had spent the week there doing ministry and seeking to love the community and doing construction projects. And so a lot of times on mission trips, the final day is kind of a day of rest and relaxation. And we had had a guide the whole trip who who kind of was interpreting for us, who was helping coordinate all the different projects. And we had come to love him and trust him. And so on the final day of our trip, the guide, he, he tells us this. He says, I, I have a place I think you'll want to go for your day of rest. And I mean, we didn't we didn't know anything about the places we were, or the culture or anything like that. So we, we, we said, sure, yeah, we'll, we'll, we trust you. We'll follow you. So he, he loads us all up in a van and then we start driving. And we keep driving and we keep driving. We're going up mountains. We're going down mountains. We're, we're fording through rivers. I don't know if you've ever done that. It's kind of scary. But, but you know, the van had one of those little mufflers that went up in the air. We're going through rivers and then we end up on this dirt road and we're just driving down this dirt road. None of us have any idea where we are. There's, there's thick forest on either side of us. And then our guide says, stop the car. I think it's here. So our driver stopped the car. And he hops out and he had a machete on his belt. He was using it as a tool, not a weapon. And he says, wait here and I'll come back in a little bit. And so he, he went ahead of us and he took the machete and he started cutting through all of the brush in the wilderness. And after about 15 minutes, uh, we were getting a little antsy because we didn't know what was going on. And then it turned into about 30 minutes. And he was still nowhere to be found. And, you know, we don't know Spanish. We don't know where we are. This is back before everybody had like an international cell phone plan when they traveled. And so we're just sitting there on this dirt road when finally he comes back. 
and he's covered with branches and brush all over him and he has a machete in hand and he smiles and he says, come and follow me. And so we begin to follow him into the wilderness and eventually after walking for a long time and him going ahead of us, cutting the way, we end up at the most beautiful swimming hole I've ever seen in my life. There was a huge blue pool of water. There was a waterfall pouring into it. And then there were trees over all of it. And so, you know, this is, this is back in the day when liability wasn't as much of a, uh, of a concern for people. We were climbing up on the trees and we were jumping onto the waterfall and into the water. We were having an amazing day. I mean, it was basically a picture in my mind of what paradise is like. And, and that day, uh, and, and since then, I've, I've thought about where he took us, and I've, I've thought about him, but quite honestly, I don't remember his name. I don't remember our guide's name. I just remember where he took us, and I'm very grateful for that place of paradise that we shared in that day. But what I'm also grateful for is that he went ahead of us and that he guided us. And what I want you to see at Easter is that we have one who has gone ahead of us as well. We have one who is even greater than our guide. We have one who is taking us to an even greater place, and we know his name, and his name is Jesus Christ. He has gone ahead of us. And because Jesus has gone ahead of you, and because Jesus has gone ahead of me, we can have hope inside of us. Because Jesus has gone ahead of you, you can have hope inside of you. And, and the angel that, that very first Easter tells us the places that Jesus has gone ahead of us. And the angel says this. I mean, the angel tells them, look, Jesus has gone ahead of you in death. The angel tells the women, look, Jesus has been crucified. He's died. And the women, they knew this, right? They knew that Jesus had died. They had, had been in the midst of, of uh, grief and of suffering and of anguish. And so you might be wondering, well, how is Jesus going ahead of us in death? I mean, how is that good news? Well, Jesus's death transformed into good news for the women because after they and the disciples and others met the resurrected Christ, after they talked with him, after they opened up the scriptures with him and remembered his teachings and looked back to the Old Testament, to the prophecies and remembered people like John the Baptist who said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, they began to understand that Jesus died for the forgiveness of their sins. Jesus died for the forgiveness of the sins of the world. Jesus died for the forgiveness of your sins and my sins. And through his death, we have forgiveness from God. We are brought back into relationship with God. And, and that's good news for you and for me, because what that means is the worst thing we've ever done in our lives. It doesn't have to be the defining thing in our lives. What that means is that our guilt, our shame, all of the ways that, that we've experienced brokenness in our relationship with God and with other people, it means that Jesus has provided a pathway of forgiveness for us because he has gone ahead of us in death as an atonement for our sins. And so the angel tells him, look, Jesus has gone ahead of you in death, but, but at Easter, we don't stop there, right? The good news of Easter is that Jesus has not only gone ahead of us in death, Jesus has also gone ahead of us in resurrection. And this is the central 
the defining truth and fact of Christianity. Because here's the thing. If Jesus had simply lived his life, a life of love and wisdom and done all his teachings and miracles, and then he had died on the cross and and that was it, we wouldn't be sitting here today. Jesus would have just been another footnote in history. He would have been another prophet, another sage. Maybe he would have called a mention here and there. But because Jesus rose from the grave, because that very first Easter, there was no body there. He wasn't there. He had arisen. Because of that, we know that our sin has been dealt with. We know that death has been conquered. And we know that Jesus, his life, his message, his ministry, his methods, Jesus has been vindicated. I mean, I don't know about you, but how many people do you know have predicted that they're going to suffer and die and then they're going to rise again and then they're going to go and meet somebody in Galilee and they actually fulfilled all of those things. Jesus did that. And so we know that he is the son of God. He is the Messiah. He is who he said he was. And Paul, who writes in 1 Corinthians 15, he he says, look, if, if Jesus didn't go ahead of us in resurrection, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, what are we doing? Why are we on this live feed, right? We're all wasting our time. But he says, the good news is that Jesus has gone ahead of us in resurrection. He is the first to be resurrected. And all of those who are in Christ, who believe in him, who trust in him, and who follow him, all of us, we can share in his resurrection as well. We can have hope that life isn't the end for us here and now, that death here and now isn't the end for us. We can have hope that there is life after death, and that life includes life with the resurrected Christ, God, our Heavenly Father, and the Holy Spirit, and the communion of saints, believers across all time and all space. You see, Jesus going ahead of us in resurrection, this is good news for us, especially in the midst of everything going on. Because if you really boil down the core fear that most of us have right now, it's a fear of suffering, and it's a fear of death that that will be gone from our families, that will be separated from one another, that there will be great and immense grief. There is a great fear of death, but because Jesus has gone ahead of us in resurrection, we can have hope. We can have hope that that in this life, Jesus is with us. And that even if we experience death, we will be with Jesus in the life to come as well. We will share in his resurrection. Jesus' resurrection means that the worst thing is never the last thing. God is always at work making a way where it seems like there's no way. And and a lot of times at Easter, I mean, this is kind of where we stop with the good news. We say, you know what? Hey, there's good news for the future in this far off time. And hopefully death will be far off for most of us. But the other aspect of of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is that Jesus not only gives us hope for the future, Jesus also wants to give you and me hope right now. And we have this hope because Jesus has gone ahead of us not only in death, Jesus has gone ahead of us not only in resurrection, but Jesus is also ahead of us even now, in the life to come and in this life. 
Now, if, if you know anything about other world religions, a lot of times they can be summed up as uh, people trying to find their way to God, trying to, to make a pathway and do certain practices and rituals. But Christianity is unique because Christianity is the story not of us finding our way to God or achieving something. It's the story of God coming down and God finding us. It's the story of God emptying himself of his glory and humbly coming to our world in the person of Jesus Christ. What that means is that Jesus, Jesus who's gone ahead of us in death and resurrection and who's ahead of us now, Jesus, because he lived in this world, fully God and fully human, he knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to experience social isolation and abandonment because he was abandoned by so many people. Jesus knows pain. He's not aloof to our situations. He's not aloof to the suffering in our world right now or to any of the feelings that we're experiencing. No, Jesus suffered for us and Jesus suffered with us. And so he's leading us even now with light and love. He knows what we're going through. And just as he went ahead of the women and met the disciples in Galilee, he is going ahead of us right now. And he's seeking to give us hope, letting us know that, yes, we're going to be with him in the future. But yes, we are with him and he wants to guide us right now. And Jesus' resurrection means that God can transform any situation. I mean, the most terrible situation we can imagine, right? God's one and only son crucified. God was able to use that for good. And so right now, even now, God can use what we're going through. It's not good, but God can use it for good. He can use his redeeming power to use situations like the ones we're in for the sake of his kingdom. And now, I can't sit here this morning and tell you that, that Jesus promises that everything's going to be easy, that, that life is going to be trouble-free, or we're just going to be happy all of our days, because Jesus, as he goes ahead of us, he actually doesn't promise us those things. Instead, he promises us something else. He promises us his love, his presence, his power, provision. Jesus promises us that he will give us hope even in the midst of the darkness. And that if we're willing to trust him and follow him, he will guide us every step of the way in this life and in the life to come. Jesus Christ, as, as the team sang a, a few moments ago, is our living hope. And we can have hope inside of us because Jesus has gone ahead of us. And, and right now, I mean, I think it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that our world is in need of hope. I mean, my guess is many of you right now celebrating Easter in this way and being separated from family and knowing people who are in the hospital, you're probably struggling thinking about hope and, and the future and where is God in the midst of this. And in our country, I mean, a, a lot of people are experiencing this. And one of the places that is hit the hardest is New York City. As you know, that's kind of the, the center point of the pandemic in the United States. 
And currently, more people have died from the coronavirus in New York City than from 9-11. Currently, there are almost 100,000 cases of people who are sick in the city. And now the morgues are, are, are becoming full, and they're having to figure out what to do with people who've passed away. And so in the midst of, of all of that, which you know seems pretty hopeless, this morning at 9 o'clock a.m. in New York City, thousands of Christians gathered together on balconies in the city, and they proclaimed out loud, all these churches in conjunction together, they proclaimed out loud at 9 a.m., Christ is risen. And then they sang Charles Wesley's famous hymn, Christ the Lord is risen today. And one of the verses that they sang talks about Jesus going ahead of us. It, it says this, Soar we now where Christ has led, following our exalted head, made like him, like him we rise. Ours the cross, the grave, the skies. Alleluia. All of these Christians gathered and sang that out this morning. And then near them in Central Park is a hospital, a field hospital set up there that's being run and set up by Christians, doctors and nurses who gave up the comfort of their own home and in their own cities where they were okay. And they've gone there and they're sacrificing for other people out of love. And now to the world and maybe to you, I mean, this begs the question, how can people sing in the midst of everything going on? How can people serve and risk their own lives when we know how deadly this virus is, how can people do that? And the answer that they would give you and the answer that I would give you, the reason I have hope today is because of Jesus. Because Jesus has gone ahead of you. He's gone ahead of me in life and death and resurrection. And he is going ahead of us even now. Jesus is our Savior. He is victorious. He is our Lord. He is our guide. And He is our friend. He wants to walk with us and He wants to talk with us. He wants to give us hope in the midst of everything going on. And this morning, if you're weary and you're tired of being at home, you're tired of the uncertainty, I mean, that's, that's what I'm feeling. If you're in need of hope, what I want you to know this morning is that you don't have to manufacture it. You don't have to journal and do all these activities and all this self-help stuff. You don't have to do any of that because hope isn't based in what we do. Hope comes from Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. He has defeated sin. He has defeated death. He has prepared a place for you and me to live with God forever in the future. And he is walking with us even now. And he wants to guide us and give us hope every step of the way. And so this morning, as we begin to wrap up our time of worship, I want to invite you as we pray, if you're in need of hope, to, to simply put out your hands in a posture of receiving this morning. Bow your head and, and, and let this prayer bless you. Almighty God, we we're desperate. We're desperate and we're in need. We know that we have come to the end of ourselves and our solutions. We know that we, we can't make a pathway forward. 
We need you. And this morning, we celebrate that you have come. You have lived. You have died. You have risen again in the person of your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that that truth, that that reality gives us hope. And so, God, we pray this morning that you would fill each of us with hope as we trust and as we follow your son, Jesus. God, we pray that that just as you replace the spirit of fear and bewilderment and uncertainty in the disciples who were locked behind closed doors and in that group of women, God, we pray that you would replace all of those feelings in us, that you would fill us with joy, you'd fill us with hope, you would fill us with love, and you would fill us with your loving presence that goes ahead of us and is with us even now. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and for all that you've done for us. And now, because of the hope we have, we sing together. Amen.